last week, we saw that we are called to know who we are in Christ, to know our, our, our union with Christ, and that being in union with Christ makes all the difference because that makes us in Christ. And that we are to consider, as a result of that, our union with Christ, we are to consider that we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. And as a result, we are to present our members as instruments of righteousness and not unrighteousness. So this morning, Paul who was very careful to be sure that his statement in Romans 5.20, where he said, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, that it would not be misunderstood as promoting sin, as some had uh, tried to use that to say that. Uh, and Paul posed a rhetorical question there in chapter 6 and verse 1, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, by no means. By no means. He emphasized that the key to living a life freed from sin and from sin's dominance is to consider ourselves dead to sin. Now the interesting thing is that a dead person gives no reaction to anything that goes on around him. And Paul says that we are to consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, and to stop presenting ourselves as instruments of unrighteousness. He says, stop doing that. We don't have to do that anymore. Sin is no longer our master. We have died. And once a slave has died, then the master has no more control over him. However, Paul realized that some person somewhere would per pervert what he is teaching in verse 15. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? And he says, by no means. By no means. I've heard the statement, if we're really under grace and free from the penalty of sin, then what's a little sin going to hurt? You ever heard that? Hey, you ever said that? What difference does a little sin make? And it's this kind of reasoning that if it becomes permanent in our thinking, it may reveal that we're not under grace at all. One of the characteristics, one of the hallmarks of a true follower of Jesus Christ is this right here. As you progress in your Christian life, as, you, as the sanctification process uh, takes place in our life with the Holy Spirit living in us, we will begin to hate sin more and more and more and more. We will not be trying to find excuses for it. We will not be trying to find ways, trying to find loopholes in God's law that allows us to sin. We won't be doing that. And any time that we say, you know what, it's okay 
I'm under grace. God will forgive me. If that kind of thinking becomes permanent in our life, it could be that we're not under grace at all. And such thinking can be extremely deadly. And to make his reasoning, Paul appropriates the metaphor of slavery. Look again at verse 15. <clears throat> Paul says, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who... I have these rich words underlined in my Bible. But you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So the Apostle Paul tells us that we're all slaves to something. We have no choice in the matter. We're either a slave to sin or we are a slave to righteousness. And it's very likely that more than half of the church there in Rome either were or had been literal slaves. Now, I know that in our day, slavery is a very controversial topic, and I understand why. But we need to understand that in Paul's day, when he uses this metaphor of slavery, that, that slavery was a common thing in those days. And that many, probably many there in Rome, like I said, either were or uh, had been literal slaves. What is one of the hallmarks of a slave? Obedience. That's what a master demands of a slave more than anything else is obedience. And it's the same for the various enslavements that we experience today. Today, there are people who are enslaved to their work. There are people who are enslaved uh, to their possessions. There are people who are enslaved to their passions, to their desires. And one of the things that a master de demands of a slave is obedience. And he says here, do you not know, in verse 16, that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one to whom you obey. Who do you obey this morning? Do you obey your passions? Do you obey your desires? Do you, do you obey uh, the, the, the various things in this world that call to us? What is it that we are a slave to this morning? And people are enslaved. We obey the things that enslave us. And here Paul applies this, this principle spiritually. All of humanity serves under one of two slaveries. Either sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to eternal life. What are we a slave to? In John chapter 8, verse 31 through 34, 
Let me read what Jesus, in speaking to the Pharisees, Jesus said, verse 31 in chapter 8 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Which, by the way, was a lie. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, we need to make a distinction here. All of us sin. We are all guilty of sin. But there is a difference in my committing a sin and my practicing sin. John talks a lot about this in his in 1 John. He says those who practice sin don't know God. If sin is a, a, a lifestyle, if, if I have sin in my life and it's a constant part of my life and I try to excuse it, I try to ignore it, I try to just go about my life like it's a normal thing, then there's a problem, he says. And I have become a slave to it. Jesus said those who, who practice sin, they are slaves to it. They are enslaved to their passions. You know, one of the most remarkable things that has ever happened in America happened back in the I guess about the mid to late 60s and we called it the sexual revolution I remember watching TV and I've seen the signs make love not war free love you know there's no such thing there's not but they were enslaved, and we have become enslaved today. We live in one of the most pornographic societies on earth, right here in America, because of this. And we have become a slave to our passions and a slave to sin. And, and so that there, there is the slavery that leads to death, which is a slavery to sin, and then there is the slavery to Christ. And instead of bondage, this slavery brings freedom. Freedom. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And he said, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. When we obey Him, we become all we were meant to be. Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever asked God to make you all that He created you to be? Because I will tell you, if you pray that prayer and you ask God to do that, one of the things that He's going to say is, Obey me. Obey me. It's, it's interesting that, that Jesus, uh, you know, in verse 17 and 18 here, Paul says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free. You have become slaves of righteousness. That phrase, standing, uh, standard of teaching, is key to understanding what Paul is saying here. Because the Roman slavery to Christ was not just some vague commitment to follow him. You know, this morning I, I was going through Facebook and I, I saw a little meme by Paul Washer. Love Paul Washer, great preacher. 
And he said that one of the problems in the modern church in America today, and I'm going to paraphrase, I don't remember exactly how he put this, but he says, because our Christianity has been condensed to this. One time I made a decision. Because one time I made a decision. I cannot tell you how many people I have been, uh, that I have worked with, that I have been neighbors with, that I have just run into and talked to them and, and try to present to them the gospel. And, you know, it's an interesting thing. Roger, you can probably relate to this. How people will talk to you and then when they find out you're a preacher, they turn into a completely different person. Oh, well, I'm saved. You know, I went to vacation Bible school when I was about four years old and the preacher told me I'd raise my hand if I wanted to be saved and I did it. How I'm living my life today is of, of, is of no consequence. I'm saved from hell so I can live any way I want to. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. And that's what Paul is saying. He said they've become a slave. The Roman slavery to Christ was not just some vague commitment to follow Him. Jesus Himself, He said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And don't do the things that I say. It's a commitment to live by a specific standard of behavior derived from the teachings of the Word of God. You show me a person that tells me they're saved, that has no desire to gather with God's people that has no desire to get into God's Word and to hear God's Word preached, to hear it taught, that spends no time daily by themselves with God, in God's Word and in prayer. And I will show you somebody that's either a liar or a very poor Christian. Because if we are going to follow Him, Jesus said, Anyone who desires to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know what happens on a cross? You die. What did Paul say? You have died with him. We have died to sin. And so the heart, the heart is where the, the heart is the wellspring of a man's spiritual life. And that's where obedience is rooted. That's why the writer to the Hebrew uh, Proverbs tells us, he says, keep your heart with all diligence because out of it proceed the issues of life. It's a heart issue. It's an interesting thing. This is one of the things that, that, that is interesting about our culture today. <clears throat> Sin is rampant. It's everywhere. But if you are a pedophile and they send you to someone to talk to them about it, it's everything except sin. It's somebody else's fault, by the way. And it's not just if you're a pedophile. Um, if you're a murderer, if you're a thief, if you're a liar, it doesn't matter what the sin is. We want it to be anything except sin. And, and it's our hearts need to be renewed. Salvation. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, I just can't believe. I, I hear the gospel, but I just can't believe that. That's not, that's not true. That's a lie. It's not that they can't believe it. It's that they won't believe it. Salvation is a heart issue. As, as Adrian Rogers used to, used to say, 
the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And so Paul here, he's saying, look, he says you were once slaves to sin. And I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that as believers in Christ. If we are truly followers of Christ and, and we, we find ourselves tempted by sin and we find ourselves falling into a pattern of sin. And I have to stop and say, wait a minute, that's not who I am anymore because I had considered myself in union with Christ. I'm one with him. This is what Paul talked about last time. And he says, you know what? I died to this sin. I don't have to obey it. I can present myself as, a, as, as instrument of righteousness to Christ. Because I'm alive in, God, in Him. So the example of slavery that Paul holds up for us is a heartfelt obedience to Christ and to His Word. Do you this morning, can you say that you have a heartfelt obedience, that, that you long to obey your Master, to obey Christ? Do you call Him Master? Do you call Him Lord? And when you call Him Lord, does He say, Yes, my child. Or does he say, why are you calling me, Lord? You don't do what I say. You don't obey me according to my word. I'm reminded of a young Samuel. When the Lord called him. And Samuel thought it was Eli and he ran in there and said, yes. And Eli said, I didn't call you. And the second time, Samuel heard a voice that said, Samuel. So Samuel ran to Eli. And Eli said, son, it's not me, but I know who it is. <laughs> he said, next time, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So that's what Samuel did. But you know, that's not what we do today. We don't say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. We say, we say hear, Lord, for your servant speaks. Can you imagine a slave in Paul's day going to his master and saying, okay, look, I have some demands. Yeah, his head would have been rolling, literally rolling. And so the issue of us being obedient to Christ and being dead to our sin and obeying Him is part of that process where we can look at ourselves and say, I'm ascending this mountain. I'm climbing up this mountain of God. Look at verse 19. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Here Paul extends an outright call to slavery. Now, we have this tendency to think that you're either free or you're a slave. And what God is telling us is, it, with me, you're both. That when you're my slave, you're truly free. And, and that's something that's a hard concept for us to grasp right there. Uh, but this is a powerful call to commitment. It's a call to total obligation, total commitment, total accountability. Did you know... That when we decide to... I almost said something there I didn't mean to say. 
When God calls us and He saves us, He calls us to a life of total obligation. Total obligation. Just imagine for a moment that you have a job and you call your job on Monday morning and say, look, I'm not coming in today because there's another job over here that would ask me if I could come work for them. But I'll be back tomorrow. What do you think is going to happen? You won't be back tomorrow, will you? Suppose that you're in a marriage relationship. You know, and I call Cindy one day and I say, you know what, I love you, but this little girlfriend wanted me to come spend a few days with her. <laughs> but I'll be home in a few days. <laughs> but don't you realize these are the very things we do to Christ? They are. But you see, that's why He also calls us to total accountability. I'm accountable to Him. Paul tells us, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians, he says that one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account. And all our works will pass through the fire. Every sermon I've ever preached will pass through the fire. And it'll either go up in smoke, which will be completely useless, or it'll come out as, as, as gold. You know, you put gold through the fire to burn off the dross and to make it more pure. And Paul here, he's saying this is a call to slavery, to two slaveries. One leads to death and one leads to eternal life. But there is a third slavery. One who has chosen to become a slave of Christ and obeyed from the heart, but then pulled away, are in a most unhappy place. You know, have you ever met an unhappy Christian? I mean, somebody who just complains about everything and, and they just, no matter what happens, they're just not happy. I want to tell you what they are. That's a, that's a believer that is not being obedient to Christ because there is no happiness apart from this. The truth is, in slavery to God, there is freedom and in obedience to God, there is liberation. We can be free. We're not free to do what we want. We're free to do what we should. I'm free to obey God. I'm free to give God my whole self. To do as Paul will tell us in chapter 12. To present myself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. He says, which is your reasonable service. Now I love what that verse right there, chapter, one, chapter 12, verse 1. You know what? Turn over there with me. Notice what Paul says here. <clears throat> he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Has God shown mercy to you? Paul is saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, because of the mercy that God has shown you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We've been talking a lot about worship on Wednesday nights and Sunday morning, Sunday school, and even in these sermons. 
But you see, God desires that I give Him my whole self. And Paul's saying, how can you... To, to me, Paul's tone here is one of, how could you even consider serving sin when you can serve Christ? How can you consider giving in to sin and serving sin when you know it only leads to death? You know, when, Paul, when, when the Bible says that sin leads to death, when Paul says that, he's not just talking about physical death. He's not just talking about spiritual death. But I want to tell you, sin can lead to the death of your relationships. Sin can lead to the death of everything in your life and leave you hollow and empty. But slavery to Christ, Jesus said, I, the, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. But do you know how you have abundant life? By being a slave to righteousness. This is how we do this. Look at verse 21. <clears throat> but what fruit you were getting at that time. Go back to verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at, a, at that time from the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, this is like the third time Paul's used those two words. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our past slavery brought nothing but shame and death. But our enslavement to God not only brings freedom from sin, but it brings sanctification, which by the way is holiness. Which by the way the writer to the Hebrews tells us without it we cannot be see God. So it brings sanctification and it brings eternal life. And, and verse 23, oh, we need the, the, the practical experience of growing to be more like Christ and the experience of knowing that we have eternal life now. Eternal life is not some future event for us. You know, in, in 1 John, John says, these things I have written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know this morning that you have eternal life? Have you died? Have you died to sin? Have you died to self? Have you died to uh, the, the, the fleshly passions of this world? Have you died to the, to the world, the flesh, and the devil, and become alive in Christ have you become a slave of Christ? Verse 23 gives us a triumphant summation. The old slave master sin pays wages, and the wages is death. As somebody has well said, there would probably be a lot less sinning if death paid its wages daily. But he doesn't pay his wages daily. 
But the day will come. Death works now in the lives of those under his pay, and one day he will make the final payment. And I want to tell you that final payment will come when they hear the Lord Jesus Christ say, Depart from me, I never knew you. When the angel opens the book and says, Lord, his name is not here, death will pay its final wages. You know, hell is a very terrible place. You know, Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven. You mean to tell you how bad hell is? Jesus died to keep me out of it. People say that part of what will make hell, hell is that God won't be there. And that's not true. You know, this idea that Satan rules in hell is, is, is false. That's myth. He will be bound and chained just like everybody else. God will be there. But I'll tell you what will not be there. Grace will not be there. Grace will not be there. And, and death will have, uh, hell, sin will have paid its final payment. The new slave master doesn't pay wages because what he gives can't be earned. You cannot earn eternal life. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life is in Jesus Christ our Lord. All is of grace. Eternal life is not in the future, but it exists in us for us today. And, and Paul began with a rhetorical question when he said, What then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? And he says, God forbid. By no means. Because we are slaves to Christ, we have been called to a profound obedience and we have become recipients of the glorious benefits that are ours as His slave. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't it? The abiding truth in this is this right here. Obedience is the key to true freedom. Just obey. The Bible, God says, I desire obedience more than sacrifice. Just obey me, He says. One of the early church fathers said, the glory of God is a man fully alive. And we're fully alive in Christ. Our spiritual life comes, of course, through our union with Christ. But the fullness of that life comes through obedience. Through obedience. But it's not, a, it's not an obedience that says, okay, I really don't want to do this, but you're God, so I have to. It's obedience and obedience that says you are God. You're my Savior. Look what you did for me. Yes, I will do anything. I will give you anything. God will do great and wonderful things in and through a life of an obedient soul. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Well, if I can find it here, here it is. 
And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. How many people today say, You know what? I went to church. I did my duty. I gave the check. I gave my duty. I've done what I was called to do. God, you told me that, that on Sundays is the day that I should go to church, so I went. I'm a member of that church, and I did what I'm supposed to do. Now, the rest of the week is mine. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Many of us want to give to God. We want to sacrifice for God, but we don't want to be obedient to God. When what we don't understand is when we are obedient to God, that stuff will come natural. It's not something we'll have to work at. We need to be obedient. And He calls us today to a life of obedience before Him. Are you a slave this morning to Christ or are you a slave to your sin? Are you a slave to your passions? Are you a slave to your desires? What is it that dominates your life? What is it that can get you motivated quicker than anything? What is it in our lives that, that, that we, we, we wake up in the morning and say, Today, I belong to. Now, you may have a job and you should be loyal to that job. But many times we're loyal to our jobs. We're loyal to our families. We're loyal to, we're even loyal to the church. And not loyal to God at all. He has a a place in our life if we have time. I'm amazed at the number of church members that I have seen in the years that I've been a pastor that I have learned that they will be here on Sunday mornings unless something else comes up. Unless they have a better offer. And I'm thankful to you who are here faithful Every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every Sunday school, every Sunday morning, I'm, I'm thankful as your pastor to those who, who are... Because, but, but you're not being obedient to me. You do it because you love God. And that's what it shows. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we come this morning, I, I pray, God, that we would examine ourselves... Who is our master? Father, who do we obey? Do we obey our desires and our passions? Are we in obedience to Christ? Is your word daily sought and prayed over and meditated that we might learn how to walk in obedience before you? Lord, I pray that your spirit this morning would convict the hearts of those of all of us, Father. For we all fall short. But we thank you that even though we fall short, that that free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus is ours. 
because we have obeyed with the heart and believed in the heart. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Turn to page 204. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.